Hello, and welcome to the Egg Theatre's Incubator podcast. The Incubator is the Egg's new work programme, supporting talented creatives to develop world-class theatre for young audiences. The programme is funded by Leverhulme, and if you've not been to the Egg, it's a purpose-built theatre for young people at the heart of Bath, UK. My name is Tim, and I'm on maternity cover here at the Egg as Incubator producer. Today's conversation is between one of our 2017 Incubator Scholars, writer, actor and director James Baldwin, and Alan Lane of Slung Low. Roll the tape. My first question, Alan. Yes, um, in my smelly dressing room. Uh, it's, it's, oh yeah, we're in a very, very, uh, uh, it's a working dressing room, it's great, yeah. it's got some towels hanging up, it's got a sock hanging up. Some wetsuits. Some wetsuits, some amazingly white boots. Yeah, they're good, aren't they, those white DMs? It's because she's dead, and you wear white shoes when you're dead. Everybody knows that. Ah, yeah. yeah. That's good, that's good. That's a, that's a theatre tip, theatre yeah. 101 there. Yeah. <laughs> when you're dead, wear white clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we came to see uh, you recording some of Flood last yeah. night. Flood Part 3. Can you tell us about Flood... All the parts. All the flood is a uh, project for 2017. Hull is the uh, UK capital of culture this year, which is very exciting for Hull. And we're here all year making uh, a project called Flood, which is the story of uh, a flood that destroys the, well, the whole world, but certainly our nation, in the not-too-distant future. The first part was a five-minute film, which is on the internet. The second part was a live show, which we did in April. The third part is on the BBC and uh, will be broadcast in August. And then the fourth part is another live show, which is like an omnibus of everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's all performed on water. Um, and what, like, so you've got four parts, yeah. it all hangs together. Yes. What are the challenges of structuring that uh, for four parts, but the, across different formats? Like, There's the sort of narrative dramaturgical p- problems that James has been facing, which has been about how do you make a story which is gripping in its entirety and that that's James Phillips the Phillips writer the right, yeah. yeah and and how do you do that so that because that's the, that's the unique thing about this is is the scale of it as opposed to each individual part but each individual part also has to make sense because realistically you know 200,000 people saw the first part on the internet and only 4,000 people saw the second live part hundreds of thousands of people are going to see it on the television and then again only a few thousand are going to see so there's a sense that it has to stand alone but there's also a sense in which um, there's no point doing it if it's all if it's all disparate it has to feel like one breath as well um, and that's been that's been challenging and the other thing is just sheer stamina um, we filmed last night we'll film again tomorrow night we do the show twice in the dark in the rain and then in three weeks' time, we're back here building the set for the for the epic end, and and just keeping the guys going and getting enough fuel inside them is the is a big challenge as well. It's a big undertaking, it's a big logistical undertaking. Uh, and when is the uh, the final part being uh, performed? Final the omnibus is the last week of September and the first week of October. Um, so we do we do a couple of weeks run there. I think Hull Seventeen will release. It. They're canny buggers, so they're likely to release the tickets at the same time we're on the telly. But that's up to them. I just deal with the this end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so which box would you tick? Theatre, visual arts yeah. for this project. Or, uh, this, or is a th- this is a this is a theatre show. Even even when we're making the film, and even when, and especially when we're making the telly, actually, we keep saying this is telly being put on the television. We're not making television. It's a different thing. It's dramaturgically different. It's creatively different. The values are different, but also contractually how much you're paid, how much people are paid, what's the process, how do you talk to people, is different. In a theatre show, the writer is incredibly important and has an awful lot of authority. 
in television they're basically a scumbag uh, <laughs> I've discovered and that's really important to keep keep that saying we're a theatre company you're coming into film as doing our show and the TV team have done that very well they're used to capturing theatre and they, they've they've accepted that even though there's no curtain or green room or anything we're on the water that it's still theatre so they need to mind their P's and Q's great um and so yeah so you make you we're on the water yeah uh, um it's uh it's on a site how do you negotiate the challenges of that site to make it the strength because obviously there's very real risk people can drown and people you know th- you know you, you you know tell us about the challenges yeah. becoming the strength well there's there's well there's two two parts of that thing for one of which is just the sheer uh, danger of the difficult thing we're doing which is you're on water all the time the set weighs several tons, it floats, it moves things set on fire people are trapped in cars, all that stuff and that's and that's basic competence that's about being really clear about what you're looking to achieve, being really clear about how you do that making sure everyone's really clear about that and then making sure everybody knows what plan B, C, D, E and F are and then you crack on knowing that that's everyone understands the risk and that in that sense people laugh about health and safety that's the real risk assessment is what are we doing what can go wrong what are we going to do about it if it does what are we hoping to achieve when will we know we've won and then and so then that's fine that's just about process it's about being really thoughtful really careful and when the time comes applying courage to the moment uh, that courage always comes late you don't want courage in the planning you want to be as scared as you can during the planning and then in the moment of doing finding the courage and that's important as well and then the second second thing is we're in the middle of a housing estate. We're surrounded by people. Every morning at 8.30, all the kids, 100 children live on this estate, walk to the local primary school. And they walk past us. And that gives you some amazing opportunities. We've gone and done assemblies at the primary school. They all know our names. And, and they think it's normal for a theatre company, A, to be around. They meet with actors regularly because the actors walk past them. They... Uh, they get to see and they think making theatre is something that's robust and exciting and fiery and political and in their community as opposed to none of those things and Julian Fellow's telling us an anecdote on Radio 4 and, and that's, a, that's a real uh, exciting uh, privilege uh, but it's also a responsibility because if we're all mouthing off and swearing and some kids are walking past or we have incredibly difficult days where we may lose large sections of the set at the bottom of the canal and we have to go and fetch them and that's difficult and it's important that the whole community sees that story of our hard work and and that I think in the in a world where loveys are loveys they this community here sees that this is a group of people who stand out in the pouring rain and get the job done and that's really important too and I think my proudest moments while we've been here is them feeling like we're their company in residence and when they send messages saying my goodness, it's Saturday night, we've just seen you graph for six days in the pouring rain, we hope you get off a day off tomorrow. That That's the moment when I really feel like we're connecting. That's amazing, but the sort of, like, flip side of that is that you create such a bond with your community is that when you go, yeah. there's a vacuum. Absolutely. And how... how how? Yeah. And is there a responsibility for you to manage that or not? I think, uh, yeah, there's always a responsibility to, to manage that. And we've a five-year-old lad called James who visits us every single day and we've made him honorary executive producer in the BBC. I've interviewed him and he's appeared all over the world and BBC News, very exciting. Um, he's he's going to be really bereft when we leave and we need, we need to think about what we're going to do about that and we always do. I think as part of this year they've just announced that Hull 17 will go on and be Hull 18 and Hull 19 and Hull 20 and that's clever and I think that there is an unbelievable appetite for high quality exciting different performance especially in Hull we sold out in 24 hours now 
we're not a company that sells out in 24 hours. We sell out over two weeks, realistically. That's what we do. We sell out in 24 hours. That's not because it's us. It's because they're desperate to see stuff. And I think that we as an industry ask ourselves questions about what type of work we put on in these regional towns. That, I mean, that's we're now an M62 corridor company. We just go along and perform wherever we can let's get our gig. And, and the amount of nonsense that's talked about, well, that's not going to work here. And you go, well, I've got a political, religious dystopic, difficult, stand-up for 90 minutes in the pouring rain and cold show in Hull that not only sold out but was adored by the public. So if you're putting on your safe 1980s mid-northern accented uh, girl comes on in a fancy bra comedy, whoops, vicar, uh, and you're only selling 40% of your tickets and we should sit down and have a conversation because I don't think you're the safe bet anymore. I think I'm the safe bet anymore and we just need to start talking about taking some of your money from you and start giving it to more people like me because there is clearly an appetite for this sort of risk-taking. And then I think, so that's that's one of the responsibilities we have. And then I think, as a company, we're here, we're here, we're full-bloodied here, um, and we're making sure that we're here for a year and Victoria Dock are getting the best out of us. But we also have a base in Holbeck, and as well as being, hopefully, a national company working wherever we can, making big shows, we're also Holbeck's own theatre. And so we run a programme of visiting studio work in Holbeck, we run a programme of participation and a choir and uh, family-friendly festivals... Um, in Holbeck and we talk directly to that small suburb very very difficult uh, small uh, town in in Leeds and so both those things are in balance Uh, and I think uh, I'm alright with that I think as a balance so so, you know we talk about the safe option and that sort of kind of leads us to people labelling things you know because if I if I can put a label on it I can package it I can sell it I can get you an audience yeah how would you so you know there's so many terms now site responsive immersive uh-huh. uh, interactive uh, site sensitive How, w- would you dare to label yourself or I have, I have no, you do yeah work? I mean I've no, I've no problem with, with the labels I don't mind them I think they're just most of them probably aren't that aren't that correct so there's always there's a few people on the internet academics who always lose their minds about immersive theatre I don't and site specific theatre I'm not convinced from a purely practical point of view we are a site specific piece of theatre in the sense that we're in this dock all year and we have built it entirely for this dock and it couldn't possibly tour but I think in that sense every piece of theatre is basically so you know you make a show for the crucible for the main stage you're making it for that space if you're making it to tour you are going to spend some time changing it I think that what we make is outdoor theatre um uh, that thanks to the headphone technology has the same relationship to the spoken word as a piece of indoor theatre does you can hear the breath and if you can hear the breath you've got theatre if you can't hear the breath you still have something and it's really exciting it's just not theatre and we make theatre so okay so that's really interesting the idea that the, the breath because it's alive and it's, it's shared and, and that's what theatre is not so last night it very much was a piece like for the for the listeners, yeah. uh, like last night it looked. We arrived and was like, "This is a this is a, a TV set." But yeah. no, actually, when as soon as it came alive, it was a theatre set in a yeah. different place. So, <laughs> I, I suppose when I'm working uh, dramaturgically, especially in the community, you know, people go, "Oh, let's make a verbatim piece." But actually, some verbatim is just really boring. Ninety nine percent of what people say is sometimes boring but one percent of what people say is electric and gold so then you start to dramatize verbatim and at what point does that dramatize verbatim stop being really verbatim and it's script so the same sort of question is at what point do you add to a location either with light or sound or set and then actually what you've just created is 
is a, a set. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, and I think, uh, and I've always been really comfortable not knowing, and, and I've been all right with that. I know when it works and when it doesn't, and we strive to make it work. So, for example, we do a show in a multi. We did a show in a multi-story car park, which was about vampires. And the reason why we're in a multi-story car park is it's the it's the place in the world that looks most like the cinema set up itself. Like a, a multi-story car park just looks like the multi-story car park okay, of cinema, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. not. So going and doing it just meant the whole thing felt super cinematic, and that was really could have been set anywhere. I mean, I think the same is probably true for supermarkets at night time, but most other places don't look like they do on film. Um, and so that was just our space, and I think, I mean, we we talk about ourselves as a theatre company that makes theatre in unusual spaces, and we've done shows on trains and in cars and in castles, and we do it wherever the story fits and oftentimes the space will come first and we're like this is exciting we should do this as an audience experience what could we say um i think probably not so much but 10 years ago there was an all sorts of gibbering nonsense uh, uh, various blogs about immersive theater what isn't what isn't that's fine i don't i mostly don't think audiences care i think they come for an experience and at the end of it you said this is called theater is it theater they go great yes and if you said this is called outdoor drama is it outdoor drama they go great yeah i don't care is it is it 10 pounds is it good and will i ha- will i walk away feeling like i couldn't have seen it anywhere else and that is what we're after i think that also comes with some confidence if you'd asked me 10 years ago then we would have had a much more i'd be like oh god i don't know i'm a bit panicked and what tribe do i belong to whereas now i think we know what we do people who pay us to do it know what we do and most of the time we manage to get to the public so they know what we do um, and that's enough for me at the minute so great I think uh, yeah and I think part of the play and part of the journey and part of the work is discovering what it is as well like yeah it, absolutely that's what keeps you and, th- and that's about the individual piece rather than do we fit into that tribe of people I'm, I'm much more interested in thinking about what are our values as a company and our relationship to our community and our audience and where might there be other people with those shared values even if they were making computer games or um punch drunk immersive style shows or even just Shakespeare in the park and you go great well that's not my type of theatre and that's fine but do you, are our values aligned and so I'm thinking increasingly um, in those terms so you explain about incubator at, at Egg and, uh, and I go okay yeah no actually that's not what we do at all but it feels like there's some shared values there that, that's a uh, that's an exciting that could be an exciting alliance whereas there are companies that make work that absolutely aesthetically looks like us and looks like we're similar in tribe and I go yeah but we're not the same thing at all I mean we're only ever two steps away from basically being a jousting fucking thing do you know what I mean <laughs> I completely get that but I wouldn't go oh wow I need to hook up with the guys that do the horse stuff at Royal Armouries is, is the actual end product is whatever the whatever the um uh, whatever the act specific piece requires, it's the values and the desire and the aims behind it which I'm much more interested in. So, the specific piece is uh, is inspired by a location, and we're going to create some outdoor theatre in this location. And, it, and actually, let's like say it's very specific to this location; it couldn't tour. Um, so, how does that affect rehearsals? Because you the you know, you've got this specific location, but it's outdoors. Do you always rehearse outdoors? Yeah. How does that work? So and we tech before we rehearse. So we would put the set in, build the set. Then we would then tech without the actors to make sure that everything worked. And then the actors would come and we'd spend maybe one day on the text, working through it, making sure we know the words. And the very next day we'd go out on the water. And we would then rehearse on site every day. And every day we would add one more new piece of production. So if it's raining on them, then we would add the rain 
one day. If they've got pyro, we would add the pyro the next day. And so the idea is that we're just constantly, like one of those old-fashioned printers that keep going over the same line, we're constantly adding another layer of paint until finally we get to the point where we go, we're done. And that, I think, is... Um, that sounds like an amazing pl- uh, way to work, but also quite an expensive way to work if you're adding... Well, it depends where you spend your money. So, if, for example, uh, you, you're the creative team have, have you know, planned it all and then they're also putting the people in there solving the problems that they come up. And then if you're putting the actors on it, it means that what you're not doing, which is so often the case, is spending four weeks in a rehearsal room and going, great, and then getting on the set and going, oh, shit, this has all gone to crap. I know exactly what the show's going to look like on the night. And given how many... Because it's been looking like that for four weeks. And given how many moving parts there are, and fire and water, and then the weather, and we are having some serious weather at the minute, there is a confidence there. I sort of go, there's very, very little chance I'm ever going to have to... Pull the show. Pull the show. When you think about, especially those big musicals with as many moving parts as we have... The number of times they go, we got into tech and then just all fell apart. And you go, well, yeah, because that guy who nailed that speech week after week after week in the rehearsal room is now doing it on a moving piece of set and his, his central gyro has come to crap. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's also where, it's where you spend the money. Our site is free. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hiring a theatre. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yes, I've, uh, we try as much as possible to buy stuff because then it means we do have this slightly longer process. We run a company wage, which means everyone gets paid 500 quid a week, which means that uh, you've got a lot of people around for a long period of time, but you know fundamentally where that money's going. So when we say the, the project costs however many hundreds of thousands of pounds, you can't possibly have the thought, yeah, but is that because that guy's taking 50 grand himself? You go, right. No, this guy's on 500 quid like every other guy. The guy cooking our lunch is on 500 quid. The guy is on 500 quid. Um, and so that, that, that openness about money, that transparency about money, allows you to then put every available penny to the to the realisation of the world and that means that whilst our shows have grown and we spend a really large amount of money on them now it's uh, fair to say that we're still cheaper than anybody else because you see where it's going and that process is as streamlined as possible because there is a small group of people who are doing everything um, and that's very different that's been really interesting to see the TV people who've had creative plan for a very long period of time and then actually when the technicians who do it come in they go well none of that's going to work and that planning is now out the window and they're busking it and there's a part of me that goes could have just bust it anyway and, <laughs> you know and that, uh, so you you're streamlining you're efficient you're uh, uh, you're equal like uh, yeah. which is amazing qualities to, to have and strive for. How does it affect, uh, how is it affected when the community uh, company arrive? Because they may not be uh, as streamlined and as, as efficient, uh, you know. How does that yeah. work? And also making them feel equal yeah. in, in the team. I mean, that, I think transparency is a really important thing there, so w- when we first meet them, we tell them exactly what we're endeavouring to do, and therefore, you know, in the last one, when they realised that I was going to pour freezing cold rain on them for 90 minutes, they knew that from day one, that's what they signed up to. They were, they were chomping at the bit to have that done to them by the end. They were like, come on, now's the time! Um... And uh, it's about being really clear about what the shared mission is, and then people get excited. Um, we work very... The thing I'd say to them, no one ever gets fired. No one in the community is ever going to get fired because they're rubbish. It's my job to make them look good, and I would say that over the last five years, we've always achieved that. We've never left the community hanging. We've never left them overexposed. But they... they and then that's balanced with the idea that we give them a real sense of ownership over the thing. So they leave thinking, no, I wasn't an extra in Gandhi. I was actually a really important part of this theatrical adventure that tried to engage with really difficult political stuff and and so far this year and last year and the year before we're we're winning that battle Um, I think it's about 
for transparency and then demonstrating the effort. They see us out there doing it, not shirking it, leading from the front, and they will follow. They always follow because they think, well, those lot just hit that water hard, let's go. Yeah, I think that's what I said. It definitely wasn't a, a, a TV or a film set yesterday uh, uh, because when you know you've got your actors in the water i've worked on sets with uh, cgi rain and rain's just water's just being sprayed on me very gently yeah. and as soon as the, the the take is finished i've been wrapped up like a yeah. a, a, a chicken you know yeah. right, you know because they don't want me to get cold whereas actually you had you know, you had your principal actors mm. in you know neck deep in freezing water yeah, it's four meters deep so they're, they're in the they're uh, they're bobbing about in the canal for Quite a while, yeah. I mean, that's the deal. But again, each with you know, every single one of those actors, most of them have worked with us before, but the ones that didn't as well. I sit down with them and say, I'm gonna offer you this job, this is the deal, and this is what we're gonna do, and this is how we get there, and this is what your schedule looks like, and this is what's gonna happen to you. And it's all right to say, I don't want to do that. There are some actors, company wage means some people won't work for us, and you go, Cool. They go, if you could just find a bit more, I go, I'll find a bit more for you, I'll find a bit more for everyone. Yeah. And that's all right, but you've asked for an extra hundred quid, and that's actually 20 grand over the years, so, and I haven't got it, so I'm really sorry. It's not for us. And the same with, you know, they go, is it real water? And I go, yeah. I'm going to dunk you in the canal. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not for it, that's all right. There's plenty of people who go, I don't fancy that. Don't do it. It's all right. This guy will always be another show somewhere, sometimes with me, sometimes with other people, crack on. But if you're up for it, I think that what they come out of that thing feeling like heroes, because... And I'd be interested to see if it, it translates to television, but they are doing it. They are that cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not acting. They're bloody freezing. So on the se- we watched the first take last night, but on the second take, do you think you, the, the performances were different because they were that much colder? Yeah. And yeah. Do you think they'll, they may be the performances? That yeah, I, I would have thought so. But I mean, and the guys are acting, but there's nothing quite like involuntary shivering to, yeah, to yeah, really yeah. nail it. And, that, and we have a duty of care, and we spend an awful lot. I mean, I would hope. Uh, and it's always been the case the actors leave going my goodness it's like being in a family here um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to do the difficult thing it just means that we're going to make sure that when we don't have to do the difficult thing we're not going to so I'm very careful with their time we don't have we don't do long laborious conversations about if, if stra- uh, you know completely extraneous material we, we get on with the job in hand and we do the difficult and when we're finished I get them home as fast as I can so you've got you've got a company you've got a family of uh, and actually the company the the site I'd also I'd, I'd, I'd dare to mention is kind of part of the company just because of the way that the community interacts with it yeah, absolutely. you've got little James coming along yeah. how does that affect the script like how does that come into the words of the piece well I think that, um, it's definitely I mean this one's slightly different because there's so many partners the thing was set a little bit earlier um, but there was definitely I mean Camelot the nature of the community company the people's theatre company definitely changed we had the lead actress in the first well, the lead character in the first scene was a French woman and, and James watched and went do you know what she just needs to do that entire speech in French and then he sat down with them and rewrote it and, and translated it into French but then also made changes and so we're constantly um, amending and I think that all of us uh, being changed by this is a joke that the TV director came up and he's a very classic sort of Islington TV director very lovely man and, and he was sat there last night eating Oreos and drinking a can of iron brew and saying the word hull over and over again and I was like okay you've been changed haven't you kiddo you're like this is um, these are in some silly ways like that but also we we've been here a long time now we feel like um when people try and steal, we've got an admin office in Airstream Caravan, and when people try and steal it, the neighbours go out and stop them. 
nice. when we first arrived here within 20 minutes they, they knew about we coming we sent them letters and everything but they rang the police and said we arrived with our camera they said travellers have moved onto the site please remove them that journey in six months is a huge one there are people going out literally chasing away hoodlums um, for us and that's great but in return for which we, we run workshops for the kids they'll all get a tour of the OB truck today make sure that you know it needs to feel like this isn't being done unto them some stuff is when the OB truck arrives with the Jenny at 2 o'clock in the morning that's going to smart but then I'm out there with my bib on going alright guys I'm going to make OB being outside, uh, outside your car, right? yeah, big truck arrives at 2 o'clock in the morning everyone wakes up and when they look out the window they see me and I'm not in bed and I'm going alright yeah, so I, I know easy. I know I'm going to fix this for you um and they go, yeah, all right. And yes, they come down the next day and go, oh, you're not doing that again, are you? I'm like, no, but in return for which, how about you want to come in and look at this James Bond villain there? And that's that's important because absolutely, we're gonna, only going to be here for another three months. We could have just done it and got away with it and gone, what are they going to do about it? The show's a sellout and we're successful, but actually, it's a really long uphill bike ride if they're not on side and they need to feel like we're part of their gang. So, um... I'm building towards my final question, which yeah. is about the the kind of politics of theatre. But you mentioned something, you know, like you've engaged this community, and now they they look out the window and they see the hoodlums try to uh, to to nick it, as you say. Is there an ambition or a want, or do you not think it's necessary? So we've engaged this community. Why is that guy or that girl who's now the guy trying to, or the girl trying yeah, to steal yeah, the caravan? Why are they not engaged? <coughs> absolutely. Um, <coughs> I think that's a really valid, and that's the central. That's the central difficulty of the company is that, and it, and probably of every theatre company is. Uh, this 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 project costs near near on three quarters of a million pounds. That's as much as the Hull and BBC can possibly spend in a year. If we stayed in Hull and did a project like this again next year, we wouldn't be able to find the money here. We will probably not next year, but last year. What did we do last year? Well, we were in Stratford the year before. We were in Sheffield the year before. We were in Manchester the year before. These cities and these specific places can afford these things, and the scale of which does have a gravitational pull. It is important for it to be of that scale because of the nature of the art, but also the nature of the engagement. It has to keep moving. If it keeps moving, by sheer definition, whenever we arrive, we are starting again from scratch. Yeah. We are hoping, and a lot of the time we are, we are handing what we've gained over and what we've learned over to an organisation that will continue that development. And that's true. It is our job to be peripatetic. We're to move. And we've done that very well, and we're very happy with that. It is a fundamentally, for me personally, a very dissatisfying model. It is. And part of this great thing here was to say to Hull, we don't want to make one show and leave. It takes us ages to run the power cables in. <laughs> we only do it one time. You don't have to pay for it one time. We've got caravans and catering and stuff that we learn from and, and stuff that we've improved. We buy dryers. That, you know, it's just stuff. Let us, and that's been really lovely to be here for a whole year and do three shows here. Um, and that's a step in the right direction. And it's meant that we've been able to engage with people better, longer, to win round the hard one. Um, we are still in the business of making this show. There is a limit to how much ex other stuff, resource we've got to put in. So th we're never going to reach that. There's one guy who keeps trying to steal the caravan. Now, unless I wrestle him to the ground and then force him to do a workshop and improvisation or something, the guy is going to continue to steal caravans because the social, economic, legal, financial, personal reasons why he's doing that are so profound that only the highest of processes that involve social services, education, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. It. But. That's the end goal. That's the, and how you take this sort of touring model of large-scale stuff that, by v by just sheer definition, has to move, and have any real in-depth 
I, is a square I can't circle or a circle I can't square. Where, as as individuals, we we put that energy is in our base, is in our is in our um, is in our inviting people into. So the impact we have on Holbeck is already been five years long. We've already plans there to be another five years and to improve that, to open a community college, to do those things where we're like, oh wow, we're really here. Now, if we made a show like we make in Leeds every year, we would spend pretty much every single alternative fit of budget in Leeds. Like, every single penny that didn't go to the West Yorkshire Plants would have to go to us to make a show like this every year. It's impossible. So that I think that's a really interesting question. I do know that shows like this have a bigger community impact than many traditional shows, and therefore we have to start to ask the question, well, is it, is it sensible to keep putting money into these traditional shows with a community department by its side when we know that the actual central art isn't having that impact? Or do we want to look at a different model? And there's loads of exciting different models. National Theatre Scotland, Derby Theatre, the Royal Exchange, loads of different people trying to do that, going, how do we make it all one as opposed to those group of people talk to to the people who aren't watching our shows over there, and we make these shows over here for the people who are going to watch Charlie's Aunt for the 14th time in 15 years. Absolutely, and I think, you know, we're having this conversation because I'm very interested in developing that model, but I'd say my sort of, my the show that I'm trying to develop for The Egg, uh, this is the, the, this is my final question, really, is my show is sort of, I'd say, p- politically passive, as in, we're going to... With a group of vulnerable young children, I'm creating a show, they're helping me write it, we write it, then they come and watch it, but then we also take it out to mainstream uh, young people. Um, And actually what we're looking at, we experience through uh, a young person's eyes uh, an hour of their life. And in that act, a child goes, oh, I didn't know that another young person thought or felt or had to do that. And that kind of is passive in a political way whereas certainly what we saw last night it's very active politically in the sense that this is dystopia this is the flood this is the effect of uh, migration climate change and all those things do you think um, what's the balance between in my definition an active and passive Uh, model for you I'm not I'm not convinced that you are politically passive I think that I think that you've already in the conversations we had before you've decided that that the um that it needed to be accessible to a deaf audience and therefore it may well have to be a deaf character or, or a, a, a sign supported. Yeah. Well, in this day and age, that is a radical act. That is a, that is a radical piece of politics. The, the government doesn't even bother doing that. There, are, there is, at this point... Uh, I re- recently, with Jenny Seedy, ironically, went to the launch of Hole 17 and watched it basically be so badly signed that it, it, comp- it was an act of aggression against the deaf community generally and a specific act of aggression against Jenny Seedy. She was excluded from that event. Um, and nobody said a word. Everyone went, well, we tried our hardest. It's difficult to get it right, isn't it? And that, wow. and that, and that happens daily. I mean, that's, you know, that's uh, my wife... Uh, Early career was in, in working in, in disabled arts, and so that was that's the reason why I'm I'm sort of aware. I was I was awoken to that by just going, well, hang on, how did this not radicalise everybody? And everyone was like, we're radicalised, and and so already that alone is a radical act. Just the simple statement of that, and yes, that's because you're you're switched on and engaged in that, and the, and Egg are clearly holding a space for you to have the time to do that because so much of this is about just having the time to be considerate. Um, 
but that is uh, that that is a that's an act of radical politics. And we can go and find loads of people. Lo- I mean, many of whom we will find in the OB truck who will literally go, "Oh God, it's just a bit of fat. You don't need to really worry about that, do you?" Uh, and for me, I mean, the most genuinely the most radical art makers at the minute, I think, are the guys who make CBBS. I, I've got eighteen months on. I watch a lot of this. It, it's it's militantly diverse. It's militantly accessible. It is every single thing is either signed or captioned or the, the full array of disability and ethnicity and gender and is there. And you go, wow! And then I think, my goodness, imagine if a mainstream regional theatres programme was as accessible and as diverse as that. And people, and I have said this out loud in interviews, and they go, oh, that's, I mean, you're so delightfully radical, aren't you? And I'm like, hang on, sorry, at this point, all I'm asking is our subsidised, beyond-the-market control theatre industry to be as radical as C motherfucking BBs. (laughs) That's it. And so, yes, this play, and James is, is obviously a playwright interested in politics, we're a, we're a, we're a company interested in, in making sure that we are talking about things that matter to people and the politics of um, if you don't get it right. I mean, in this town, literally ten years ago, there was, there was floods here. If you don't get water control right, and a lot of that is to do with privatisation, a lot of that is to do with who's in charge, a lot of that is how much you want to invest in places like coal. If you don't get it right, people die. And then with Grenfell Tower, we've seen that. That's mm. politics. If you don't get a conversation about different types of people coming to the country, right, people will die. And we've seen that because dickheads of all varieties are driving cars into people. So this stuff's just happening. We're not... This, I'm, at this point, I'm just kind of... Well, we should just do a play about what's happening in the world today. Stuff. You know, we laugh. We, we've made five dystopic uh, plays now. And each one, current affairs, chases to press night. So we're like, God, we need to stop going to hell in a handcart because our dystopic future is just fucking verbatim. Mm. And and so I think, yes, the play is political in the sense it's talking about immigration and, and the environment. But I would say where its real radical politics are is in that it's in a, it's in an estate in Hull. That the tickets were ten pounds and and Hull seventeen absolutely backed us on going. You know, they said we could charge forty quid for this and sell out, and I was like, we could, but we're not going to, aren't they? And we're like, no, we're not going to. Um, that it is radically accessible in the CBB's manner that you know that there is there is adequate provision for everyone in a way that there simply isn't in outdoor theatre. There should be, so I don't think we should get any medals for doing that. But there, but and I think that's where the real radical politics. The fact that we're talking about immigration, the fact that we're talking about people drowning, and that is great, and that's what the play's about. And I think that's, but and I don't think there's anything. If you were left of centre or right of centre, as long as you're not a complete fruit loop, you would actually find the play to be like nothing disagreeable. You'd be like, yeah, it's bad when people drown, isn't it? That's fine. I think the radical politics is that this much money, this co- commitment from the BBC is happening in Hull. It is still true that execs on this project come up and go, oh my god, I'm in Hull, I had no idea I was going to be... Sorry, you're a fucking executive in a national... T- Fuck you! It's Hull! <laughs> I'm not sending you to the Faroe Islands, it's Hull! And that's and it's true of national journalists as well. I did an interview for the Times, and they spent all their time going. Uh, I mean, it's just a lot less shit than I thought. But then I, I realised I'd not been to Hull ever, and I haven't been north in fifteen years. This is a. I mean, like, fuck you. You want to do a state of the nation every week in the Sunday Times? You get out, go and see the nation, and that is still true. And that absolutely, this will be, there'll be people listening to that go, God, he's chippy. Come spend ten years on the M62 corridor, and we'll talk about chippy. The act of radicalness is that 
the Arts Council and the BBC have decided that they want this to be broadcast from the nation from Hull. That Hull 17, under, we were under incredible pressure to go and do this in a, in a recording studio somewhere in, in, uh, in London so that we didn't have to be in the water and we didn't have to spend so much money. That Everyone held their nerve and went, this has to come from Hull. That's where the radical politics is. Um, the fact that it shouldn't be the, the fact that the three leads are, are performers of colour is where is where people people are li- still going. Oh, I mean, don't you think you went a little OTT, Alan, with three? Sorry, hang on a minute. Can we please put some subjects and objects in that sentence? Otherwise, you just sound racist. But the fact that it's still noted is extraordinary, um, and I think that's where the that's where the radicalism uh, that I say with pretty much disdain for the idea that it is radical comes from. And I think the same thing about your show, that you go, well, I think it's important that we start with, with young carers to make sure that they're involved in the artistic process, is, should just be, and for us here, and I'm sure the people who bother to listen to this podcast, just, yeah, that sounds like a reasonable point. There will be people, we can go and find them, and they're in charge of a lot of things, a lot of important things, who will go, oh, right, it's one of those projects, is it? Mm. And, and that is, I was like, Black, I was, Blackwatch was a piece of regional new writing based in the community. It was also the most successful piece of theatre we've had in the last 20 yeah. years. And those two things are not... They're just... That's just a... You know, I, I think that Slung Low is a community theatre company uh, who enjoys challenging themselves. But I read about us and apparently we're, you know, we're, we're, these, we're these great artists and I think we're just a community theatre company who thinks that people should be able to watch rehearsals from the side and people should know that a theatre company is just a group of men and women working very hard. And it's not Julian Fellows or Simon Callow or Maureen Lippman telling endless fucking uh, anecdotes about how delightful it is Green Room. We're just grafters. We're a part of the community. We're normal people. And that, when... The biggest thing I think we've achieved so far here, and it will probably like to be, is we went into the local primary school and we did an assembly to every kid under the age of 11 within two and a half miles. And we sang a song and we said, we're a theatre company, this is what theatre makers look like. Have you got any questions? And their questions were great. And their questions were engaged. And there wasn't this idea of theatre. And and that's the point of the year of culture. And that, I think, is radical politics for me. That's important. And yes, I stand up and I bang on about funding or shooting a House of Lords or something. Probably not that, actually. Probably actionable. But just (laughs) stuff. And that's fine. And that's what, you know, gobshites like me are meant to do. But actually, the the real radicalism is in the day-to-day grind of where do you buy your food? Where do you do your rehearsals? Where do you broadcast to the nation from? Just as yours is in. Who's telling you that story? Where are you going to perform it? Where will the minibus go? Will it be signed? How much will the tickets cost? Who will support it? Will it actually do what you want to do? And that's radical politics. The rest of it is just putting on plays about Brexit, isn't it? And that's fine, but it's not going to solve anything. Great. Alan, thank you so much for making this podcast with us. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, listeners. (laughs) Listen well. Listen well. (laughs) Cheers, man. And that's it. Thanks to Alan very much for taking the time to show us around and having a chat with us. If you want to find out more about Slung Low, you can check out slunglow.org or at Slung Low on Twitter. And if you want to know more about the Egg Bath, you can visit theatreroyal.org.uk or at the Egg Bath on Twitter. Thanks very much.